Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else. Even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. A lot can happen in the next three years. Like a chatbot may be your new best friend. But what won't change? Needing health insurance. United Healthcare tri-term medical plans are available for these changing times. Underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, they offer budget-friendly, flexible coverage for people who are in between jobs or missed open enrollment. The plans last nearly three years in some states, with access to a nationwide network of doctors and hospitals. So for whatever tomorrow brings, United Healthcare tri-term medical plans may be for you. Learn more at UH1.com. Yahoo Sports Hockey Podcast 2022 Stanley Cup Playoff Round 1 Preview Show. It's Justin Cuthbert. Of course, I got Julian McKenzie here because who else would it be on a Sunday or any other day if we're going to preview such a big time moment in the NHL season, of course, and really the sports season for us. This is as good as it gets over the next two weeks for you and I. We get to sit back and we get to absorb eight postseason series before we trim that down to four and then two and then one. It just doesn't get better than the Stanley Cup playoffs. And it's right in front of us. Julian, how are you feeling on this today? Playoffs start today because this is Monday. That's playoffs true. start today. And this is very, very exciting. Is it not? This is the first, I was telling you off air, this is the first, this is the most excited I've been for a postseason where I have like no stakes in at all. Like, mm-hmm. no team to cover, no team to follow. If you go back to days of me being a fan of a particular team, no no team for me to cheer for or feel anxious about. I feel excited for all these matchups. I feel excited seeing all these different fans around hockey Twitter get amped up for their teams. And I just get to sit back and just, like, chill and, and watch these games as they come in. Like, I'm excited just thinking about it. And I'm excited to see, like, how – I mean, we'll get into Toronto and all that, but seeing what's going to happen with, like, Omar and you covering these teams. Like, I'm, I'm excited to see what's going to happen over these next few weeks, man. This is this is a big day. Big day. So, you know, kind of the same thing happens for me where I'm, like, fully invested in the Leaf series because that's my job and, uh, and I'm usually assigned to cover the Leaf series. And I kind of miss the other things that are going on, especially on the nights of um, the Maple Leafs games. So – I'm going to need you as long as it lasts for Toronto to sort of fill in some gaps for me, but I'm going to be doing my best to cover all eight series. Uh, And of course, across Yahoo Sports, we'll have everything on lock as well. I want to go through two exercises with you as we preview the the first round of the Stanley Cup playoffs. The first being, we're just going to rank what we're most excited about and then kind of break down each series as we go through that. So if you have one one series, number one, and I have it number four, we'll just talk about it and we'll figure figure it out as we go. But a little bit more organization required for the next one, because I want to challenge you to a confidence poll or just a one-on-one mano-a-mano confidence challenge with each series leading up to the Stanley Cup final. So what we're going to do, we're going to take our most confident series, we're going to assign it uh, and one through eight, or we take each series, assign it one through eight of who we think is going to win. If that team does win, you get the points that you assign it to. If not, you get zero points. We'll have a score at the end of round one, score at the end of round two, three. And of course, after the Stanley Cup final, 
and something will be on the line with you and me. I know you're not into the beer that I like and, you know, maybe so on and so forth, but we'll find a way, whether it's a care package or we see each other in the summer and some we'll have some small stakes on this. If you're, if you're down with that. Okay. Uh, if we're going to put alcohol on the line, I know exactly what beverage I want from you. And I will acquiesce to the alcohol preference of your choice if you win. Okay. Fine. So uh, you'll be in Toronto, I know for sure. I might be in Montreal for the draft. We'll figure out when this is going to happen, but there'll be some sort of uh, drink on the line, whether it's a bottle or just something, if we go out and get to share one of these uh, conversations in person, because we do it a lot virtually. It'd be nice to be able to do it in person every once in a while for the so, second time we've done it at least once for the second time yeah and uh beers weren't on the line then and be more exciting if something was on the line then but before we get to the confidence challenge uh let's just run through the series and i mentioned we're going to talk about it based on our level of intrigue so we'll just open the floor on all eight series what is your most fascinating intriguing the series that you're looking forward to the most and then we'll kind of deal detail it a little bit okay so i've been pretty i've been pretty consistent with this uh, I understand in the markets that we're in, Tampa Bay and Toronto is going to dominate a lot of headlines. Maybe in other parts of Canada, it will be Los Angeles versus Edmonton. Maybe it'll be the Calgary series, which should be a lot easier for the Flames. I'm really into this Minnesota Wild St. Louis Blues series. These are two even teams. They've gone at each other throughout much of this season. And I want to see how this plays out because both those two teams, I think, they could end up being a surprise team in the postseason. We know how the Blues have gone through the postseason before. And that 2019 team, they're a heavy team. They have all those 20 goal scorers on their team. The Minnesota Wild, we know how urgent it is for them to have a successful playoff run, considering the cap challenges that are in front of them. But they also have a great tandem in goaltending with, with, with Cam Talbot and Marc-Andre Fleury in the net. They have one of the most exciting players at the front in Kirill Kaprizov as well. I, I really like how this Minnesota Wild team is built. And I think the St. Louis Blues, I'll give them credit. Like, I think a lot of people have been sleeping on them. Maybe it's because of the fact that, like, we're, we're not paying attention to them as much as Colorado or Tampa Bay or even a Toronto or a Florida. So I, I really think that the Minnesota-St. Louis series, of all the playoff series of the first round, with the level of intrigue, the stakes on the line for both teams, the, the way they're equal compared to all these other matchups, I think that's the series to watch in, in terms of all the other playoff series in the first round. Yeah, I'm with you. It's number two for me, and it pains me because it's it's being played on the same nights as the Leafs and the Lightning, so I'm going to miss a lot of this, I think, because I'm going to be writing on the Leafs and Lightning series while these games are being played, so that's a bit of a bummer for me, but I'm with you, and I'm glad you're going to be having, uh, it's going to have your full attention because you're going to be able to, as I mentioned, fill some of those gaps for me. Uh, oh, yeah. It's a fascinating series, though. I mean, these are two of the best teams since the trade deadline. I think one and two in points since the deadline. Um, they didn't necessarily go crazy at the trade deadline and load up, but the Minnesota Wild were able to bring in Marc-Andre Fleury, who has been sensational, but not as good as Cam Talbot since the trade deadline. So I wonder what they do with the goaltending situation there. But I, I'm curious what you think the X factor is. Is there something, is there something that stands out to you when sizing up these two teams? I'll, I'll, I'll give you what, I, what my opinion is uh, while well, you might be able to think on that for a second. And I think in a series like this, when it is about two teams that are likely really closely even, evenly matched, it could go six and seven games. What could shine through is the depth of these teams. And both of them have really talented forwards. Both of them have talent all across the roster. 
but you mentioned all those 20 goal scorers. And if you need a goal from somewhere else in your lineup, if it can't be Kaprizov and Fiala every single time, which team is going to have that third line contribution at a key moment? I feel like it's going to be St. Louis. And, I, and I've seen a lot of the steam, at least in the betting market, go towards Minnesota. It was close to a pick em. Now Minnesota's pretty sizable favorite. And I do have a full betting breakdown that I posted Saturday. So if you want my opinions in, uh, in the betting market, go back one episode on the Yahoo Sports Hockey Podcast feed. But I was surprised by that line movement because I do think Minnesota is, yeah, they got home ice. They're a little banged up though. And when you compare the depths of these teams in what should be a long and grueling series, I really like what St. Louis can offer late in a series. You mentioned those eight 20-goal scorers. One of them is not Ryan O'Reilly, who didn't finish with 20 and won the Cosmite Trophy three years ago. Like, this is a really deep team, man. I I think St. Louis is in a good spot here. Yeah, I I mean, the goaltending, I think, will come down to that. It's going to come down to which goaltender is going to end up being the best. And what's crazy is, like, we were giving all the hype to – I was giving all the hype to the Minnesota goaltending. Vili Huso is, like, taking over yeah. the net, like, full-time for St. Louis in front of Jordan Bennington. And who knows what that's going to play out for him in terms of off off-season money when he becomes your unrestricted free agent. I think it's going to really come down to that, whether it's Tal- Talbot, who they start with, or Flurry. Minnesota could always go, go back and forth between those two guys. Vili Huso – He's going to have to continue that hot streak that he's been on for a good chunk of this year into this postseason. It's not impossible. St. Louis has benefited off that before, but he's going to be able to keep that up. Whichever goaltending sticks up for me, uh, that is going to ultimately decide who I think wins this series. But you bring up a really excellent point. And I think when we think of the St. Louis Blues and the fact that they have all that goal scoring, I mean, you go from uh, Vladimir Tarasenko on down, the fact that they have all those options between him, Jordan Cairo as well, Robert Thomas, like, that is a scary, that's a scary team to go up against. You're right. Like in the playoffs, the top line guys, you have to find a way to shut them down. You have to let somebody else beat you. What do you do if you go up against a team where the players who could beat you on all these different lines in terms of, of the production are pretty evenly mat, evenly balanced. Like it's mm-hmm. it, at least on the face of it, it seems like a pretty daring proposition, but I, I still think Minnesota could get the job done. I just, I, I, I think it's a series that could go the distance off the fact that St. Louis is able to pack that punch. But this is a really, just the fact that we're describing the goaltending, the goal scoring opportunities, like this is a series that I really think is worth a lot of people's time and could go to the distance. Yeah, I think if you had to pick one series to go seven games, this is this has got to be the one. Um, and also with the goaltending, like, yeah, I agree. Minnesota's goaltending is better on aggregate though. Like it's better one through two, but only two goaltenders, one aside, are going to be in the net. And I think Vili Husso can perform just as well as either Marc-Andre Fleury or Cam Talbot. And yeah, the backup, they might have an advantage there, but it doesn't matter if Jordan Biddington's on the bench and not costing the St. Louis Blues in any way. It doesn't really matter how deep your goaltending is if Husso is able to carry the load all the way through and match, whether it be Flower or Cam Talbot. It's a it's a really, really good series. Um lot on the line too i mean minnesota's got cap penalties a plenty coming down the pike the next two seasons st louis is i don't want to say reaching the end they found a way to be semi-sustainable through what was an aging team that did win the stanley cup a couple years ago um but they they they're just a solid system that brings players in and figures out a way to continue to be successful but they do have Huso uh reaching pending unrestricted free agency so it's probably important to try and get a run with him because he could exit uh in the offseason what is your 
number two. I guess actually we should go to my number one, and that's Toronto and Tampa. Where do you have Toronto and Tampa? I have them as number two. I, I think easily that series with mm-hmm. the demons that have faced the Toronto Maple Leafs. But this is a really interesting time for the Tampa Bay Lightning. I, I can't help but think of the Montreal Canadiens and, and the post-mortem they had the other day and how many players were saying that they were tired and they had a short off season. And even if the team wasn't constructed as well as they would like, the fact that they had a short off season really didn't help their manage. Could you imagine what a team like the Tampa Bay lightning has gone through over the last two and a half years, winning two Stanley cups within 365 days. Also the fact that like they, they're a while. I mean, not a wild card team. They're, they didn't win their division this year that people are thinking that they're tired. I wonder it only really hit me now. I wonder how their tired legs, if they're tired, how that is going to affect them in a series against the Toronto Maple Leafs. But yeah. it's just that on paper anyway, like the players that they have, Steven Stamkos having his best season in quite some time. They still have Nikita Kucherov. They still have Braden Point. They still have the best goalie in the league in Andre Vasilevsky. Even if this team is tired, they could still win a series or two. But if Toronto finds a way to upend the Lightning, say what you want about how how many games they've played over the last how many years, that is a big, big deal for the Toronto Maple Leafs who could not get over the hump to be able to do it over the reigning Stanley Cup champion. I know some people might have wanted Boston because the challenge, obviously, the history between those two teams, and maybe they are they appear to be a little bit weaker than what the Lightning are, but there is a real, like, under like that is a big deal for the Leafs if they find a way to do it. I just... I'm just not sure if they can, but like, I think for a lot of, uh, for Toronto on the line, I think they still come in with a lot of pressure considering what's at stake for them going into next year Mm -hmm. and and beyond that. And I I can't see this going like four or five games. I think this could also go six or seven. And we've learned now if the Toronto Maple Leafs have themselves a lead in this series, that's not necessarily a guarantee either, especially against a team like Tampa Bay that knows how to win. That is easily for me uh, the second best series to follow of all the eight series in the first round. Yeah, I think Toronto, I think the first couple of games are just so important. I think the Leafs have to plant the seed of doubt in Tampa's mind because I think that taxation, that exhaustion, the grueling two postseasons that they just came off of this season being, uh, you know, difficult in some ways and maybe less difficult in other ways. But I feel like those first games are really important for the Leafs to set the tone to give Tampa a potential excuse to be like, Hey, we just don't have it. This we don't have it again. We don't have it in us with this team that is so hungry and has this lead. That's why I think it's possible that the Leafs might dominate and even win this series quickly, potentially, if they're able to get their, get the job done early, they go up 2-0, win one in Tampa. All of a sudden you're forcing Tampa to make a decision. Are we really going to fight for this? Are we going to win three in a row after what we just went through three in a row? three in a row in the series and then three in a row in terms of Stanley cups. I think you have to present them with that question because if you don't, if you get them to a seven game scenario, who's beaten Tampa Bay in a seventh game. I mean, this team has figured out a way to win those one-offs unlike really any team that we've seen, like when they need something, when they need a victory, Vasilevsky's perfect. When they need a victory against the Islanders in a game, that's just knock them out, drag them out. No low event they find a way to win one, nothing like they just figure out how to beat you in those one-off games. So I think it's crucial that the late, that the Leafs just get out in front of the series and push and, and, and basically give Tampa that question in their mind of whether or not they can do this again. Uh, there are a lot of key factors. 
Uh, obviously, the, the performance of Austin Matthews and Mitch Marner is huge, but I think Jack Campbell playing at or close to the level of Andre Vasilevsky is very, very important as well. That is the biggest mismatch, I think, even though the defensive core for Tampa is probably pretty pretty significantly better than Toronto's, even though Toronto's has improved with Mark Giordano coming in. But when you look at how these matchups could sort of shake out, the Leafs should have the advantage with the first line. They should have the advantage with their third line, I think. The fourth line would probably go for, for Tampa, but I, I feel like you have to diminish that as much as possible if you're the Leafs and just play your top three lines. And then it comes down to that second line. Can John Tavares be a, be a big factor in the series? Can he make that and earn that $11 million for these moments? It's crucial that that second line with Tavares anchoring it has an impact in this series. But I feel in my heart like it's Leafs early, lightning late. And if the Leafs can dominate early, they might be able to get it done. But if they let Tampa hang around, uh, it's going to be really tough to beat them in a do or die scenario. At the first sign of trouble for the Leafs in that series, they need to show that they have the mental fortitude to stand up and bypass all of that. That is the first, that's the biggest thing I'm going to look for from the Leafs in this series, more than any player or performance or anything like that. If Tampa Bay, for whatever reason, they find a way, and it's fully possible, they win game two of that series and they bring it to Tampa with home ice advantage for the next two games. What is the mood going to be like for the Leafs? How are they going to handle it? What is, I mean, because we know the fan base might start to panic and worry. Even though people will say this team is different, we've seen at so many instances this season, as soon as things start to go bad, people flip out and freak out. But how do the players feel? How does management feel? They've endured so much heartbreak over the years. What have they done to ensure that whenever signs of trouble or adversity come their way, they don't fold? Because you can go through the tapes of what Mitch Marner's done the postseason. You can look back at last year and see how Austin Matthews was not productive, goal-scoring-wise anyway. It's there. And, and we can play the Paul um, the Paul McClain clip of, of him saying demons in their beds, demons mm-hmm. everywhere for the Toronto Maple Leafs. Like, like we get it. Like, they they, they exist. They've, they're, they're there. And, I, like, it's funny to think that people are happy that the Leafs have home ice advantage in this postseason. We've seen it not work for them before just last year the Leafs not only do they have to go up like 2-0 and, and win early I, I think once Tampa Bay like draws back in the series because I think they will they have to keep whatever walls up to ensure that Tampa does not knock in and 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 just kind of keep that mental fortitude in themselves and just keep going because as soon as that shred of doubt starts to creep in for the Leafs if they open that door I think Tampa takes it and and just kind of runs over them that way. That is the biggest thing for you with the Leafs. And if they find a way to show that, you know, they can hold on to that lead and, and win it and not let any, any mental stress get to them, that's going to say a lot about this Toronto Maple Leafs team going forward. That's going to be a, there's a potential for a huge advancement in this team's development mm-hmm. and even in their reputation with this postseason here. Yeah, the stakes, honestly, cannot. I, I don't think it, it could be higher in a first-round series. Uh, you mentioned the Demons. If the Maple Leafs beat the Lightning, I think they've exercised those Demons. I don't really care about Boston lingering on the other side. If you beat the defending two-time Stanley Cup champions, the best team in the salary cap era, 
a team that is so powerful and so strong at just every level of their organization, those demons go away. I think all of a sudden they're liberated. They can play freely. I think they're a very dangerous team. Whereas if Tampa wins and they get by a real Stanley cup contender, at least on paper, then they could be just launched out of a cannon towards a third straight Stanley cup. Uh, obviously Florida's next for both these teams. We believe if they get by Washington, which is as difficult of a task as any, but I honestly think the way this first round series plays out could dictate basically what happens in the entire tournament as we move forward here. It is so, so important uh, what happens here because I think the confidence boost, maybe not even confidence, just the boost either way because it would be confidence for the Leafs and maybe just the reassurance, I guess, for Tampa that, hey, we're, we're here again and we're just as powerful. Either way, this team that wins and emerges from this series is going to have a huge boost moving forward. Uh, and, I, and I think it's portends pretty good things for either one of them uh, as they continue into the next round and maybe uh, the rounds to follow. This is where yeah, I think number, it gets Number two for me. Number, number two, two for, for me. On so, that. Yeah. so yeah, if we could, we could almost tier them. I think those are the most, those are the best two series. Uh, and yes. now we'll go into the second tier. So who do you have at number three? I have Pittsburgh against the Rangers. Okay. Um, I, I, I've mentioned before about how I don't want to see uh, the Penguins do all that well, just because like, you know, we've seen them do it, but beyond that like there is a interesting story in terms of looking at the composition of that team and what's on the line for guys like Crosby and Chris Letang and Evgeny Malkin and this truly being a last dance type of team if they don't get out of the first round this year who knows what this core what this team will look like going forward so there's everything to play for 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 the Pittsburgh Penguins uh and then you have the New York Rangers who I mean, I don't know if anyone expected them to be this good, but they have a Vezina candidate in Igor Shosturkin, a likely heart candidate as well. Uh, one of the best defense in the league in Adam Fox, a 50 goal scorer in Chris Kreider. Like they have pieces on this team that could, and I'd even mentioned Gerard Galanis head coach who knows a thing or two about going through a playoff run. Like this New York Rangers team could be set to surprise this year. And what a way to do it by knocking off a team like Pittsburgh who has the experience that they have in the postseason, and those games on Broadway are going to be big. They're going to loom large. And can you imagine what these fans have gone through since that letter that Jeff Gordon sent out, like what, two, three years ago to get to a point now where the New York Rangers can say they win a playoff series and the expectations just change for the franchise going forward. So much has changed for them over the last few years with some of the players they've been able to get as like Jacob Truba and Artemi Panarin. They're going to be on display in this series may have a chance to, to pretty much usher out this era of the Pittsburgh Penguins and who knows what's going to happen for them after that. But I, 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 I think the Rangers and that Pittsburgh series, a lot on the line in that, that kind of has my intrigue near the top of that list. Not in that top tier where we have the first two series, but that I think is like the next best thing after that. ESPN certainly agrees with you. Of course, the new U.S. broadcasting partners with the NHL. This is probably their A series. Uh, it kind of stands alone on the second night of these playoffs as the primetime game, 7 p.m. Uh, it's going to get a lot of shine. And I think, you know, a lot of it has to do with the markets and the superstars involved. Uh, I'm not sure it's going to be the most fast, it, it most, it's not going to be the most entertaining series. I'm not quite sure. I mean, I think uh, my feeling 
about this is almost a little bit foreboding in for opposite reasons of you as you I I kind of want to see that last run from Sidney yeah. Crosby and Evgeny Malkin and Chris Letang if I was to choose a team from the Metro to have a long run but I don't think it's going to happen uh Pittsburgh has had issues with teams like New York in recent postseason history breaking down solid defensive structures and breaking down great goaltending you mentioned a potential he's going to win the Vesna. Igor Shostyurkin could be the single most powerful force in the entire playoffs based on his importance to the Rangers and the position he's he's in versus a team that you know he might be able to snake bite that doesn't that doesn't work snake bite he, they could they could be snake bitten i don't know if it, i i think it's like a past participle thing hey, anyway I, I, I feel like that possibility is there with uh, Igor getting the best of the Penguins because we've kind of seen it recently here with Pittsburgh just not being able to get through on a team that is built for the postseason like the Rangers suddenly are like this team was all about skill after that letter came out with Jeff Gordon in charge he just wanted to get as many great talented players in there as as possible and then they went the other way after the Tom Wilson thing and they got really tough they got a lot of players that are gonna be hard to play against in the playoffs and I think this series could be low event, low scoring. And who do you favor in a situation like that? The more proven goaltending is Igor Shostyurkin, even though he's only been around for a year. So I'm kind of uh, reluctant to put this as high. I think that I have it fifth out of eight um, because I kind of have the feeling that New York's going to have its way. And that way is kind of silencing those stars that are trying to have one last dance and one last run uh, at a fourth Stanley Cup. Um, with the Pittsburgh Penguins. So that's kind of why it slipped for me, but it is important. It's a very important series. Uh, it's going to be one of the, one of the featured ones, as I mentioned on the first run for ESPN or since they got the playoffs back and the NHL rights back, uh, it's a big series. And I understand why it's high on your list. Uh, also, one other thing, we didn't even mention Pittsburgh's goaltending. And there's a possibility that for the second straight year, that could let them down in the playoffs. Yep. So Tristan I think that's Jerry a big difference. Nathan. That's it. Like between the two goals they had last year and Jerry and Casey DeSmith, they were not able to get anything done against the Islanders. And then this year now, Tristan Jerry is not necessarily at 100%. Like it's it's a bit of a dicey situation for the Penguins. And if they don't have good goaltending, it's not going to help them in a postseason series. The Rangers do. They have the best guy, not named Andre Vasilevsky right now, in Igor Shostyorkin. So I, I, I would, I mean, not to kind of tip my hand here, I think we're, I'm kind of leaning towards the Rangers here, but I'm really intrigued at, that, at how that series could play out for the legacy of that Rangers team, but also for what it looks like for the Penguins and considering their future after this. I got a busy day today, but I'm going to have to check out how snake bite functions as a verb uh, a little bit later to make sure I get that. Uh, I, get I wasn't going to judge. <laughs> uh, no, you weren't. You're, you're too nice of a guy. Uh, number three for me is Florida, Washington. It is probably, Ooh. it is one of the more lopsided series. It's, I think there's three that are probably close to non-competitive, but in terms of the non-competitive series, this is probably the most competitive one in that I think Washington can hang around. They've got a lot of game breaking sort of talents on their team with Ovechkin and Wilson being a, a force physically and John Carlson being sort of perennial Norris conversation type of guy. Like they have some really talented players. It's just, they don't have as much talent as Florida, which kind of gets the chance to stunt and showcase their skills here. I think against a team that isn't that great defensively or, uh, from a goaltending standpoint, 
I don't think Washington's been much more than mediocre all season. They started out really well. They finished really well, but in the meat of their schedule in a, in a series or in a season where there were a lot of bad teams, I don't think they've really separated themselves that much. I think this is sort of a paper tiger in terms of hundred point teams. I don't think in a regular year, they would have gotten to hundred points. I don't think they would have been even close, but they did. And it gives chance. It gives Florida a chance to really dump on a, good team in that they got to 100 points i i don't believe in washington and i want to see florida run wild on an opponent that's interesting to me that's fascinating to me it's number three on my list where does it where does it rank for you it's actually fifth for me uh i don't have it ranked as yeah we're flipped on that uh i'm really in it just to see if the florida panthers can actually do it win that playoff series for the first time since 96 getting to watch them in some of those games where they have all their bodies healthy they can be annoying to play against. They can be very physical. They score a lot of they, they are the team that kind of scores a lot of goals to kind of outscore their problems here. But I think once they're completely healthy on the defensive side, that might change a few things. There's one thing I will give Washington for this series. The daring undertaking of taking on a President's Trophy winning team, the best in the league, and trying to see if you can just like dispose of or try to beat them in the first round. Some, I mean... Alexander Ovechkin knows brash all team. about. It's a brash team. They're not. They're not it, scared. We'll say that they're not scared. Not only that, they've been. He's been on the other side of that. Mm-hmm. He's been on a President's Trophy winning team that everyone thought was going to win a series in four or five games, and then loses it in the first round. I wonder mm-hmm. if he leans on that experience, or when he's talking to his team, uh, when it comes to talking about how that first round series will go. And I'm referencing the 2010 series where he lost to the Montreal Canadiens as a president's trophy team, losing to an eight seed. Like, I wonder how like him or, or anyone else in that organization, if they lean, if think about that at all, when they go about this series against Florida, maybe it's a little too far in the past, but I would think about that if I was playing on the Capitals and I mm-hmm. had that experience, because that's, that that's all you have to go on. Anything could happen in the postseason, and you could use that as motivation to kind of power you through that series. And look, if if the goaltending goes bad for Florida and Washington's able to k- take advantage of that, that's not a series that ends in four or five. That could go six, maybe even seven. Who knows what could happen with Florida? They could they could kind of get rattled a little bit, but I do kind of expect it to still go Florida's way regardless. But it's just just something to think about from the Capitals' vantage point. Yeah, I know. I think on the flip side of that, another thing to think about is that Washington is a team that has read the tea leaves, seen the writing on the wall. Uh, they've kind of closed up shop when they feel, or at least it seems that they sense that they're overmatched. We've also seen what what I think could happen with Tampa, where you're given a choice. We've seen them take the out. We've seen them go the opposite way. A couple of years ago, after they won the Stanley Cup, they came back and I think they went six or seven with Carolina and it just looked like oh we decided we just we we, we can't do this again we don't have it in us this year uh we've seen that before I'm 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 pretty I'm you know we, we're not in the room uh, not necessarily uh but I think there were some quotes after that kind of pointed to that where it was just like Washington in that moment kind of decided they didn't have it or uh, and they uh they were forced with that decision and they made that decision uh, and with Florida, if they just jump all over them, I'm not saying that Washington's quitters and whatever. I just think they could get to the point where they're like, okay, we're outmatched here. 
uh, and it ends quickly. Um, I think that's a possibility if they if they do sense that uh, that we see such a divide between these two teams that Florida can just take advantage of of maybe even just that second thought from a Washington team that uh, it's not going well because it's there's a very distinct possibility that it doesn't go well right off the bat with how powerful Florida is. So uh, they're a game team, though. I mean, they've they've got a lot of they got a lot of firepower, a lot of people you would love to have on your side in a postseason mm-hmm. series. Uh, so we'll see if that or how much that means uh, in round one versus the president's trophy winners. So we both have one through three established and five established because I have the range yeah. ahead at five. So that opens yeah. the door for four. Do we overlap at four? I wonder. Uh, my series is the Kings and the Oilers. I I like yes, how we that do. series could change. Yes, we do. Yeah. I, I mean, the legacy building continues for, for Connor McDavid and Leon Dreisaitl in that first round series. Uh, I'm very surprised that Mike Smith has ended his season as well as he has. I think, what, nine straight wins? This is a guy who, like everyone on zone time, had said they should really call up Stuart Skinner. We looked at the goaltending situation throughout this whole season and said if there's one thing the Oilers had to fix – it is the goaltending position. They almost did everything else except address it. So they're going into this postseason with Mike Smith and, and Miko Koskinen in net. And at this point, again, with Mike Smith going into the postseason as well as he's played, there's some doubt that has been erased here. But it will only really take one game in the playoffs to shut that down. The Kings, uh, they may be a little ahead. Uh, maybe this isn't the year where they necessarily get a playoff series win. The only thing they really have going for them in a series like this, they have Philip Deneau, who went through an entire playoff series last year and shut down some of the best players Mm -hmm. en route to a Stanley Cup final appearance. So you know the Kings are going to rely on him and Anze Kopitar to shut down some of the league's best in order to get there. And that could be a, a big X factor here. How effective are those guys against the best Edmonton Oilers teams? And if they find themselves in a position where... Connor McDavid, for, for whatever reason, isn't as effective as he should be. Leon Dreisaitl can't get the job done. That task is going to fall on, on Ryan Nugent Hopkins, Jesse Poliarvi, and even Evander Kane to get some scoring up. This is where the secondary scoring for the Edmonton Oilers has to step up. The defense has to be there. And the goaltending ended the season pretty well. They have to keep that up. But, uh, yeah, I, I, I'm still I'm thinking a lot about this particular series here. Edmonton maybe should win it, but... There's a lot of questions I have. It's high on my list in terms of uh, intrigue because it is the best opportunity for Connor McDavid and Leon Dreisaitl to enjoy some postseason success. And who doesn't want to yeah. see McDavid and Dreisaitl uh, have, you know, just some fun in a playoff game to enjoy, to celebrate a play playoff series victory. I mean, we have seen one in the history of this franchise, I think in 2017, uh, but it's been few and far between uh, for these two players and certainly that organization. I actually think the Kings are the perfect tune-up for the Battle of Alberta for the Oilers. Um, The Kings are analytically very, very good. You look at their underlying numbers, shot share, scoring chance share, all the good stuff, all the stuff that measures, you know, shift to shift performance. Very, very good. Very, very good for the Kings. This is a, this is, they sort of have, some Calgary flame Daryl Sutter qualities. And there's a lot of, you know, there's a lot of parallels between those two franchises, I guess, more or less because of Daryl Sutter, but 
I guess Milan Lucic a little bit as well. But these two teams actually play very similarly still in that they are very, you know, structured and predictable from a shift to shift standpoint. The problem with LA and what makes them different than the Calgary Flames is that they're a brutal scoring team. They, they, they are the last in the NHL in terms of their shooting percentage. And that's not, oh, let's positive regression right away. No, they're last in the NHL in uh, their ability to, to use their chances to score goals because they don't have much talent at the high end, right? You mentioned mm-hmm. Phil Deneau and Andre Kopitar. Those are their best two forwards. They're not like lights out scorers in any right. I mean, Phil Deneau went through that the playoffs being the most important player other than Carey Price, arguably, without having any impact on the scoreboard. They defend. And this then look team, at how he played this year. He ended up having his best offensive season this he, year. He did. He did, which is, I guess, worth considering here. But I think his job is going to be chasing around Connor McDavid. This team, this team just doesn't have what the Oilers have in abundance, which is goal scoring capability. And in addition to that, what sort of hurts their shift to shift analytical performance is that they don't have the goaltending either. They're a bottom third league, bottom third team in the NHL in goaltending. Jonathan Quick has been a little better this year, but overall they're like 900 between him and Cal Peterson. Uh, So if you don't score, you don't take advantage of your chances and you more often than not let the other team take advantage of their chances if both teams get 20 20 scoring chances a piece in this game Oilers are going to win it because they even with Mike Smith have the better goaltending right now and of course they've got the shooters that the Kings don't have so I think it's a perfect way for the Oilers to settle into these playoffs get a series victory in five six seven games would be a little you know disappointing I think if you're an Oilers fan I guess getting through would be great but I think they should try to wrap this up as quick as possible, get themselves set for that battle of Alberta, uh, battle of Alberta next, because it's going to be very similar to what they're going to experience, I think, versus LA. Yeah, I'll say this with the Kings, though. You're right. The goaltending is not where it should be. And if the goaltending is not great, if and you're playing defensive hockey, I mean, you could still lose out. I think them just going defensive and just trying to shut down the Oilers offense, that's the best chance that the uh, the Kings have. That being said, you're right. Like the Kopitar and Dino are not the best goal scorers, but for a postseason like this, and I know I did raise it myself with Dino and the, the goal totals, it's just pretty notable to bring up. But still, yep. you don't necessarily need to have them be lights out goal scorers. If you could find a way to make some of those Oilers games go to like 2-1 or 3-2 even, like that's, I think the Kings would like that and that could give them a chance, especially if the Oilers goaltending, which again, throughout the season, there were some question marks about them before Mike Smith got hot. They find a way to shut him down. This is a completely different series, I think, because then you're going to have two teams with question marks at, in, the, in, in between the pipes. So I, I think that series is definitely one to look out for. And that's a big reason why I have it in that top four here. But I definitely want a battle of Alberta. And if the Kings shut that down, I'll be a little disappointed. I'm not going to lie. Yeah, we need the Battle of Alberta. I mean, I don't hate the playoff format as much as everybody else, but it was designed so that we get Battles of Alberta. So let's get a Battle of Alberta this year to make sure that we at least get the best of this current postseason format, which is the matchups that a lot of people want to see coming to fruition uh, more often than not is, I guess, a little bit of a stretch. Um, I might change my mind about the format if we get a battle of Alberta, because I because I'm 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 really cool with having the one and eight back, and I would love to have that back. I'm just kind of mm-hmm. used to it. Maybe that's just me starting to become an old man, just trying to young for the for long for the days that 
were good as they were before. I don't know, but like if I you feel get like a the youth, upper... the youth want one through eight too. I find, but yeah, I think, it, I just... think more people want one through eight. But I just if it works out the way I think it's intended, I think you get great matchups. Like Toronto Tampa is going to be awesome. It's better than Toronto Washington which is, I think, yeah. what it would, like, it, it's just, it would be. Yeah. But I don't know, man. Sometimes, sometimes it doesn't matter if it's Toronto, Washington, or or however it stacks up. That, like, the lack of a rivalry could just completely flip on its head in a 1-8. I mean, the playoffs, oh, exactly. regardless of which exactly. you get, like, you're going to get stuff like that anyway, even if you aren't direct rivals of each other, or if you have a rivalry, it's maybe been dormant for a few years. It could come up, whether it's a one, eight or the format it's in now, we're inevitably going to get it. But like, I I understand that this format is supposed to give us some divisional matchups in this. I I, I can understand that. The thing is like, yeah, I'd rather see Toronto Tampa in the third round. I would love to be that for a chance to go to the Stanley cup final, but I just want to see it. So if I got to see it in the first round, let's see it in the first round. Number six for you. Number six for me, I will say Boston, Carolina. That's number um, six for me as well. I, I I get that Freddie Anderson, not healthy, not at least at 100% anyway. Uh, Antti Ranta, I know, kind of got a little hurt too. There's some questions about the goaltending for the Carolina Hurricanes, I think. But I still think they're built well beyond that. This is not a shaky team by any stretch of the imagination. They have the weapons to go offensive. They could be staunchy defensively as well. Like if their goaltending is not going to be ideal at the very least, I don't find the Carolina hurricanes are a team with too many holes that if they find themselves having to score goals or, or finding other ways to kind of bypass the fact that goaltending isn't that great. I don't think they're going to be in nearly as much trouble. Boston, a bit similarly to how we're looking at Pittsburgh. Uh, they're in a situation where like, this could be it really for, for at least some of their bigger players like Patrice Bergeron and how they kind of look at their window going forward They're there. They were looked at as a cup contending team for a couple of years. I, they have not been in that tier for quite some time and they could be middle of the pack for a little while after this series here, even if they have Brad Marchand and, and David Pasternak, like I, I, I know they have some other young pieces too, and we'll see how their goaltending kind of holds them up. I don't see them being the Carolina Hurricanes in this series. Uh, and I think them losing kind of puts them, kind of firmly establishes them as a middle-of-the-pack Eastern Conference team, a team that could make the playoffs, but I'm not sure a team we could ever really take seriously compared to some of the other you know, really good teams in, in, in not just the conference, but in all of the league. So I, I, I kind of have the Carolina Hurricanes getting the edge in that one. And I had that series in terms of intrigue for me, is just kind of a little lower on the list. Yeah, it's lower for me too, but it does have a couple intriguing things of which you, you, you uh, hit on a little bit there. I mean, it's got the juicy storyline of Boston kind of choosing its first round opponent and the mm. first round opponent being Carolina. I'm not really sure how much that matters, but Boston did choose this path. So uh, I guess the question is, will it uh, be to their benefit or detriment? Um, You've also got the Patrice Bergeron thing, which you mentioned, it could be the last ride for Patrice Bergeron. I feel like if they know that in the locker room or understand that uh, as fact uh, or truth, uh, I think it should really inspire Boston to give it their best effort, which is usually an exciting thing. And then you got the Lambo versus the Prius with Brad Marchand and Vinny Trocek, which is yes. just a little bit of a, uh, a backdrop or a juicy backdrop, juicy storyline from the series. I'm sure we'll get some good quotes from Marchand and maybe some back in return from Trocek. 
as the series goes, and it could go seven games very easily. So there are a couple things that are very interesting about this series. However, when you just look at what the hockey might be, I don't know if it's beating the other five that we touched on. So it's number six for me. I am going to pick the upset on this. Uh, I feel oh. like I, I just feel like Boston uh, uh, when you've seen the regular season meeting on aggregate, I think it's 17 to one Carolina's outscored Boston this year, but Boston has handed Carolina two of its last three series losses. They've been competitive teams, both similarly structured as they are now. So, you know, there's recent success for Carolina, but also the history of postseason success for Boston but I think the goaltending does mean something, even though Carolina is that one team that protects its goaltenders so well. Nedeljkovic was better there. David Ayers won a game there. Like it, a lot of <laughs> goaltenders have go, gone into Carolina and, and been able to be pretty good. So anti Ranta or uh, the third that's, that's blanking me at least on uh, at least how to pr- pronounce it. I'm not going to even try it right now. Yeah, I'll let him, I, I'll I, let him I, play I, a I game first before I go that, go that route. But <laughs> I, I just feel like, uh, I feel like Boston, the wall that they often hit, I don't think it's going to be there just yet. And uh, I think the Bergeron thing is is a pretty big factor. Uh, I think you're going to get a really, really honest effort for this team right off the bat. I think it's going to be a very long series that Boston might just be able to pull off. So I got Boston. Uh, wow. And I got Boston in a series that I'm not necessarily – going to be tuned into i don't think until it reaches those five six seventh games okay so we know what the top six are for us i'm still surprised you picked boston and now i'm looking at my list and i realize i don't have many upsets here no like i i've got no i got three upsets wow like cj keeps saying like this is this could be a ser- first round where we get like so many upsets. And I'm like, I, I-, I don't know. Like, is it really going to be like that? Like, is- I think the game actually, I have, four upsets. I have four upsets, man. I mean, I guess is ta- I have a question. Tampa, Tampa's cons- a- Tampa is the underdog in the, yeah, okay. in, in the betting line. If you're going to be, I mean, if you're going to be uh, correct with it and I've seen an incorrect headline already today, uh, oh, Tampa are the underdogs officially. But like even uh, the we'll fact they won the Stanley they, Cups, okay. But it's just it's a betting term. Like they, if we're gonna like, if we're inundated with betting stuff, so if we're not gonna like actually <laughs> keep to the information that the betting market does provide to us, then uh, I think we're not, or we're misrepresenting what is actual truth. Uh, even though I think a lot of people would favor Tampa, and if you do, just plus money out there. I'm just saying. Uh, number seven for you. These are the two. What we have left, the two most non-competitive series, at least on paper, they are the one versus four in the Western Conference. Which one of the two is more intriguing to you? Both of these remaining series are sweeps for me. Ooh. And the one I have at seven is Nash- Nashville and Colorado. Okay. There's really, there's, there's really like two things I'm into watching for this series. How Colorado can dominate a team like the Nashville Predators like I, I think the fact that UC Saros is not healthy, that really hurts the Nashville Predators as far as I'm concerned. If UC Saros was in this series, this series, I think for me, would be maybe in the top five. Because UC Saros, if there's one other, if there's a goalie who's been almost as good 
as Igor Shosturkin this year, UC Soros has done a great job of putting himself in the conversation for a Vezina Trophy, could be stealing some wins in the playoffs as well. We're looking at a completely different series on its face, but I have it in the seven hole right now. Uh, and I think Colorado just being too strong with the way that they've built this team, they should be able to dispose of the Predators. The only other thing I'm really into with this series, I kind of like the whole Matt Duchesne going to Colorado mm, and seeing. I didn't think that about goes. that. Like you revisit that storyline and like Duchesne and, and like what he was like with the, with the avalanche when they were going through their struggles and then he offs and leaves and he goes to Nashville. That's where he wanted to go. And now he's, he's been great this year. He has been outstanding this year. But is that going to be enough to kind of put them over the Colorado Avalanche? I'm not so sure. And again, uh, the goaltending, the injuries, are you ready to see David Riddich steal some games for the Nashville Predators in this series? I don't know how many of those are going to happen. I have it a sweep. I'm following what Daryl Sutter said. It's going to be a waste of eight days for the Nashville Predators. And the Colorado Avalanche are going to be uh, winning that series easily. And I have that series in the seven hole really just to see if Daryl Sutter is actually right in eight days. Yeah. I got the last two series at five or less. Um, so when you're looking at two series that are expected to be either sweeps or gentlemen sweeps, if you want to put it that way, um, the more intriguing one is which team has more to not prove or demonstrate, but I think we can learn more from Colorado from the first series. I think we can learn more because Nashville at the very least is a team that will make you feel their presence. They throw a lot of hits. So Colorado is going to have to at least deal with that. And I think getting through it as quick as possible would be important for that reason, because it's going to be physical. Um, but there's also the Nazem Kadri thing in a series oh, yeah. that could have cheap shots in a series that could right. have a lot of physicality and aggression. Is he going to be able to keep his, head so i feel like it's an important series for colorado i think all of them are very important for this this group because this is the year for them in terms of importance and getting it done right now there's a lot of urgency and i just think how they handle a situation where the team isn't as talented but is going to be annoying and pesky and physical maybe we learn a little bit more from what we might get from Calgary and Dallas. So Colorado just on the surface is a more interesting team. They are maybe the story of the playoffs coming in, in terms of big picture and what, what it means and legacy and, and the importance of this year right now for Colorado is one of the top storylines. So I'll take it in the battle of seven, eight. And it's, it's, it, any Colorado hockey is worth watching. So I, I got it as number seven. That leaves us with Dallas and Calgary is the least interesting series. And even saying that I'm still into it. I, I'm still into this Calgary story. I find them um, very interesting to watch. I'm going to be probably watching this series just as much as any other than Toronto Tampa, to be honest really? uh, in that. Oh no, it is on the same day. So no, oh, no, it's on the opposite day. I, I think oh. I'll be, I will be like, I will be tuned into this. It's it's on my off night in terms of like when I have to work at the rink. It's the nightcap, so it's going to have my attention. And I, I'm into it. I'm still into it because I'm interested in what this Calgary team can do. But Dallas is just kind of the... 
it's just kind of the team that's latched on and is along for the ride. It doesn't seem like they have much to offer in this, in these playoffs, despite going to the Stanley cup final only two years ago, Sagan and Ben weren't really that important two years ago and they haven't been that important this year. So there's still something there that has worked for this team, but I just don't think in a matchup where 93 goals separates them through the, through the balance of the regular season, there were one plus whatever goals better on balance throughout the regular season. I just think that should show itself pretty easily. I think this is going to be one team running over the other. Uh, and I think it's going to be Calgary pretty easily, whether it's four or five games. So um, it's the least interesting from a result standpoint, but I'm into Calgary story this year. I'm going to be tuned into pretty much everything that the flames do. Yeah. Like the flames have shown they've been able to play playoff hockey throughout much of this season with the way, with the style of play that they have. And I expect them to kind of beat the Dallas Stars handily. You're right. I don't see much in this Stars team to make me think that, like, this could go beyond four, maybe five games for this series. But, like, how often would you look at a series like this with the reigning Western Conference champions and be like, oh, well, this is not really worth watching? Because remember, the Dallas Stars are the reigning Western Conference champions. That's really the only interesting I mean, two years ago. No, they are the Yeah, you're right. Yeah, because they're the the reigning Western Conference semifinal last year. That's it. The Canadians wow. won the. I keep referencing the Canadians for some reason. Jeez, like they won the the Western Conference Trophy. The the, yeah. the not the, is it the Clarence Campbell Trophy? It's the Clarence Campbell Trophy. And the Prince of Wales one is the Eastern one. If okay. I have that, I mixed trust up, you on that. Then, okay, I, look, if Either I get way. that wrong, man, they won one of the trophies. They, they won one of the damn trophies. Kids won everything now. Anyway, I think the Dallas Stars, just as they are, like they're not. I mean, they might be super defensive. Uh, Ben Sagan, if I'm the Flames, they don't scare me. I, I, the Flames have everything. The the Flames are like version 2.0 of the current stars. That's what it seems like to me. Like it's, it's really one team that's very similar, but a lot better, a lot deeper, better coached, better goaltending, better defense score, way deeper up front. I just, it looks pretty obvious to me. Yeah, you, look, you, you, the fact that you're, you're saying you're going to try to pay attention to it as much as you can, like, I don't know if it's that Alberta bias. I'm just like, you know what, man? If the Dallas Stars take a game off the Flames, then I'll watch, like, a game okay. in that series. Maybe. I, I like, like those like Alberta they, teams. I like those Alberta I, I Clearly, you, know you do. I, I, know, I know you do. You, the, the soft spot for you. Mm-hmm. I get it. Uh, okay, so that's our – we'll go – uh, you give me your list just to run it down, but I, I think yeah. I actually have it. But I'll do my list: Toronto, Tampa Bay, number one; St. Louis, Minnesota, and this is in, this is ranking the intrigue. Florida, Washington, number three. That's really the difference between us. L.A., Edmonton, four; Rangers, Pittsburgh, five; Boston, Carolina, six; Dallas, or sorry, Colorado, Nashville, seven; Dallas, Calgary, uh, is number eight for me. And then I have Minnesota, St. Louis at the top, Tampa Bay, Toronto, two, Pittsburgh Rangers, three, Kings, Oilers, four, uh, Caps, Panthers, five, Bruins, Hurricane, six, Nashville, Colorado, seven, and and, uh, Dallas, Calgary at eight. Okay, for exercise two, we're going to continue to assign a rank to a team here in the Cuthbert versus McKenzie confidence challenge it begins in round one of the stanley cup playoffs so how this is going to work this is a really fun uh name you got there the mckenzie challenge i like that that's pretty good this guy uh, that's that creativity oh yeah i'm always always churning out great ideas in this uh, <laughs> this head of mine uh yeah. we're so we're going to choose winners for each series but we are going to rank them based on confidence so you know we just went over colorado nashville dallas calgary 
I'm assuming that the winners of those series that we are calling are going to have at least a six, a seven, or an eight beside it because we are confident that they are going to win and thus they they are worth more points in the overall standings in, again, the Cuthbert versus McKenzie confidence challenge. We will have a total at the end of round one, so we'll have a scoreboard here. Um, and basically, you choose what everything's worth uh, as we go here. So let's go through... Actually, let's start with our number eights. Are you are you ready? You're all set. You're ready to go. I, I think so. I, I think well, we I can have, we can I, work this out as we go. And if you do need to yeah. make an amendment, I got my trusty pen, which can scratch away anything in which it writes. Um, got a pencil. So to I help will give me, you uh, my number. Mine too. I yes. will give you my number eight to start. I'm going with the Colorado Avalanche. I want eight points from the Colorado Avalanche if and when they do beat the Nashville Predators. As we mentioned before, probably the most lopsided series because UC Staros is unavailable. So my eight point team is going to be the avalanche. I want to make sure that I get the highest value uh, with the Avs. What about yeah, you? I, I, I'm pretty confident that the avalanche are going to win. So I, is it worth eight though? You could go Calgary eight, Colorado seven. Like it's, it's, I, I don't know what you're more confident. <sighs> Actually, you know what? I, I like, I, I'm going to make it interesting. Confident. You know what? I'm confident that the Avalanche are going to win their series, but I think I'm a bit more confident that the Flames are going to win theirs. So I'm actually going to assign eight points to Calgary. Okay. And maybe like, uh, I'm allowed to allow like seven, I guess, for Colorado. Is that how that works? You can lock in seven Colorado right now if you'd like. Are you doing that? I will that? do that, Ben. I'm doing okay. that. So to eight continue- points for Calgary, Colorado for seven. Continue to making things interesting. I'll do Florida seven which I think is probably pretty reckless on my part, but I'm going Florida seven because I'm a Florida stand, you know that. And I will go Calgary six. So the, the top three I'm assuming are going to be the same here. Yeah. Um, Florida and for that, me is going to be six. So we're juicing our numbers here. We're probably even despite the ranking, if those three series win with the way we've show, uh, with the way we've uh, predicted them, we will both have the same number of points. So really, it's the next five picks that are going to determine, um, barring an upset, who has the advantage after run, round one of, again, the Cuthbert versus McKenzie confidence challenge. The five-point team for you is? Man, I think I'm going to do it, man. Tampa no, is five. Tampa five? Yeah. Okay. Tampa that five. Is a, that is Tampa a bold move. That could pay I'm off gonna in a Tampa big way. I'm going to do Tampa five. I'm all in on them being the underdog. I'm all, all in on them doing it. I'm going to put them at five. Tampa that, that could pay off in a big way. Tampa Bay number five is a pretty bold pick, um, but it could work so. out. Could work out really nicely. Uh, I'm not saying I have Toronto, but I got Tampa a little bit lower. My five point team will be the Edmonton Oilers because I love that Alberta bias. You know it. Um, <laughs> I'm I'm assuming that uh, they're going to be able to get it done. It's probably the only time I will get a chance to pick them, so I'll make them my five point team. Number four for you. Okay, then I guess I'll make um, this is where it gets actually, this is where it gets difficult. I think actually I'll make the Rangers my fourteen. Okay, actually. that's my number. I'll four make the as New York well. Rangers four. Yeah, that's my I'm four as well, four. and that's an underdog. So, uh, yeah, I thought there might be a little dissension there, but uh, we're pretty well locked into it. Um, um, number three yeah. for you. Three for me. I'm going to say I'm going to actually put the. Uh, uh i'll put caroline in there i'll put caroline okay. as my three here we go caroline this is the big one three. then for us because i'm going boston with my number three um 
this is crazy bro. how it how it goes down here between boston and carolina will probably dictate who has the lead but uh, uh crazier things can be maybe happen here Absolutely. um number two for you you're going you're low on the oilers uh yeah i'm gonna put the oilers there at two i'm gonna put the i mean i still believe in them but i, I just have teams that i believe a little bit more in them getting the job done so i'm gonna put the oilers at two okay and i have the tampa bay lightning at two so that's basically our inverse right there you are i'm more confident in the oilers winning you're more confident in tampa winning if they both win again it's a wash but if one of them wins then that'll that'll go a long way in determining who has the lead and again the cuthbert versus mckenzie confidence challenge that leaves us with one pick i thought you would be maybe a little bit higher on one of these teams but uh you know it probably reflects how tight the series is that we both are only giving out one point to the winner of st louis minnesota so who do you have winning that series the minnesota wild the minnesota wild are my pick to win and i have st louis so that could be the difference right there if all things go as we expect (laughs) them to go if it's edmonton and tampa bay winning uh actually we are different in boston carolina so boston and carolina uh is really the trigger point for us here but there is one point still on the table between St. Louis and Minnesota. So to recap, my number eight, I'll just rank them, eight through one. I have Colorado, Florida, Calgary, Edmonton, New York, Boston, Tampa, St. Louis, and confidence, most confidence to least confidence for you, Calgary, Colorado, Florida, Tampa, the Rangers, the Carolina Hurricanes, the Edmonton Oilers, and the Minnesota Wild. Uh, I love it. I love it. It's gonna this, be is a re- this is a really cool idea. Like at first I was like, wow, this is like, it seems like a pretty elaborate like scoring system here, but I'm, I'm actually pretty excited here, man. I'm, I, and I'll let you know if I win, I would like uh, if they have them in six pack forms of Bobby Margaritas, I'd like Ooh. a Bobby Mark. Okay. I'd like some Bobby Marks. Because may- not available yet in Quebec or not at all in Quebec? Not at all in Quebec. Not, not at all in Quebec, and I'm not sure if they're ever going to be available in Quebec. I, I, every time I keep asking Sean McKenzie, it seems as if there's some other story about why it's not available in Quebec. So I pretty much, when I eventually go to Toronto later this summer, like for whatever reason, I'm, I'm just going to have to stop off and, and, and get me some of them Bobby Marks and bring them home because it's, it's ridiculous. I can't have them. Okay, I, so I have the damn name. Like, get the, me I was going to say, in the Cuthbert versus McKenzie Confidence Challenge, uh, Julian McKenzie wants the product that Bob and Sean McKenzie are selling to the masses here in Canada. Uh, I'll like, have to like, figure out like, like, what is this? I'll have to figure out if there's any like Quebec based liquor that has anything to do with the name Cuthbert. I, I probably doubt that being that it's an English name, but uh, I yeah, we'll figure something like out. This myself, we'll figure actually. something out. Do they have anything like that? Do you, do you okay. Cuthbert alcohol? Like I that... don't think so. That's uh, That would be a long shot at best that there'd be something. But we'll figure out what six-pack I'm interested in uh, as we go along here. The second round, I don't know exactly what we'll do for scoring, but I think because it's one through four, we'll just double it and then triple okay. and then times four for the Stanley Cup final. Uh, okay. I think that will work out. I don't want it to make it double each time because then it'll just come down to the Stanley Cup and that's not as interesting because it's more difficult in the earlier rounds and the second round in particular. I think we've got time for tire pumps. If you have one, uh, I'm going to go with Leon Dreisaitl. Like we've got a lot of comparisons to 26 years ago, like first since Lemieux to do it in 96 or whatever it had been like a lot of like 26 years is like the magic number because we've had such a great scoring season in the NHL, but Leon Dreisaitl is the first to get 55 goals minimum and 55 assists 
minimum in 26 years. Uh, he doesn't get all the shine this year with McDavid getting a lot uh, from the Oilers fans. Obviously, a lot of heart push there. Matthews, a lot of heart push in Toronto. Uh, Johnny Gaudreau getting a lot of love. Jonathan Huberto setting records. Drysdale's right there with all those guys. He deserves, even Steven Stamkos might get some heart consideration from me. We'll have to dig into wow, that a little really? bit more. Wow. Uh, not, 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 uh, not like he's going to be my number one, maybe fifth on the no, ballot. But like I still, still got to go through it. That's wow. That's I just think he's I'd been, he's had process. a sensational season. Uh, I think he deserves to be in that conversation just as much as, you know, a Roman Yossi or, or whoever else that's getting sort of that fringe love. Uh, but Leon Dreisaitl deserves that fringe love too. I think first in 26 years, 55 goals and 55 assists. That is an amazing offensive season. And I hope, and you hope that it translates. Although I have more confidence in you. Julian McKenzie. That is true. Yes. Which is important. Uh, and now on the record officially. Do you have a tire pump yes. this week? I have a tire pump. Uh, it goes to Malcolm Subban for providing one of oh, the better moments of the NHL season by yeah. singing the U.S. national anthem uh, between in the Hawks uh, uh, Sabres game just before the weekend. I had no idea this brother could sing, and he found a way to do it in a full auditorium of people. Uh, and that was really special. To yeah, see. it was awesome. Also, I'm, I'm also going to give another tire pump to Rick Janaret, who called his final game in that game an OT winner for the Sabres, a GOAT, one of the best commentators to ever do it. Mm-hmm. Go back to the May Day call, all the other big playoff memories for the Buffalo Sabres. He's at the center of that with his great calls. The game is going to miss his voice every day calling Sabres games. So I'll, I'll give the tire pumps to Malcolm Subban and Rick Janaret for uh, the way they had us looking at Buffalo Sabres hockey for one night ahead of the playoffs. And it's too bad, honestly, because I'm really excited about what's happening in Buffalo. Like, I think that Malcolm Subban thing was just a really good example of the vibes that are suddenly being accumulated by that team and in that market. I think they've got a good thing going. I think they stand to improve a lot in the offseason. They had a great year. They surpassed their win total and what was projected a long time ago. It's actually been a pretty positive year all around for the Buffalo Sabres, even though their Stanley Cup playoff drought was extended by another year. Uh, I just think they've got a good thing going, and I think they're going to keep building. And things like that where you just like Malcolm Subban singing in the dressing room and they dare him to sing the national anthem and he does it like that's just all fun and awesome that's stuff fun. that I think helps a team bond. Uh, it was awesome to see that. It was really, really cool that he was uh, willing to put himself out there. And of course, Jenneret, uh, I just hope he can, you know, enjoy some Buffalo Sabres wins next season, maybe get into the playoffs and see this team you know, hit another level because uh, he deserved to call more meaningful hockey down the stretch of his career. Unfortunately, he didn't, but uh, he'll mean so much to the Sabres well beyond his broadcasting days. So a couple deserved shout outs from you, tire pumps from you, and uh, shout out to the Buffalo Sabres for having a pretty good year, all things considered. We had a pretty good year, all things considered. That's the last of the pre-playoff shows from us. We'll be back on zone time. We're going to be covering the Stanley Cup playoffs in full. It's been a lot of fun. And really, the fun only gets started today, which is awesome. Uh, I can't wait. Julian, thanks again for joining me. And uh, we'll talk soon. Yeah, man. I I hope for your sake, even though I did pick the Leafs to, like, not win the first round, Mm -hmm. if the Leafs do win, I hope, like, you, like, because you you get to cover all this NHL stuff. You've been covering the Leafs for a while. 
I hope you get to experience the thrill of covering a team that goes deep into the playoffs. As someone who had to go through it last year, that was one of the most incredible experiences in my life. And I hope you get to experience that for yourself because you find a way to end up, you know, you're covering all these teams. Everyone wants to talk to you about the team. You see how everyone gets like excited and happy in the market that you're in. I, mm-hmm. I, I think there's, there's a lot, I have a lot of friends who cover the Toronto Maple Leafs and you're yourself included. I, I want to see them kind of experience some of that joy. That's, oh, that's, that's me that. just like, you know, hoping the best for you. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. I mean, it's, it's, I've been waiting for it. I'll be, I'll be honest with you. Like it's, uh, you know, pull back the curtain for a second, a Stanley cup run is good for reporters because they get to uh, have, you know, a lot of, sh- not, not necessarily shine. They just get to write more important and engaging stories. They get to really do what they got into the business to do in like fast forward all at once uh, in overdrive. It's very, very exciting in those moments, the week that the Leafs have been alive have been some of the more rewarding weeks because you get to do what you got into this business to do. So I would love to do that over a two month stretch. I'll just take a series victory. And honestly, I don't like, I don't won't be upset personally. If the Leafs lose, I'm never, I haven't been a fan of this team in a very, very long time. Even really, if ever that I've been that passionate about the Leafs, I don't remember those days if they did exist, but I want to see the people that I see every day that I interact with every day that are my friends and coworkers, people that do live and die on the success of this team. I want them to have their moment. Eventually. I haven't seen that for myself. I love seeing the city of Toronto be excited. And I think the reaction to a victory over the lightning would be awesome to experience. So for that reason, I'm into it, but uh, I do have the Tampa Bay lightning moving on as well. Well, let's see how this goes. Hey, we could be wrong. (laughs) We could be wrong. And whoever is most wrong, in the end, we'll owe the other person an alcohol beverage or two. Uh, I can't wait for that. I can't wait to see it shake down. And I can't wait to have that drink with you, Julian. Uh, another Likewise, edition sir. of the Yahoo Sports Hockey Podcast in the books. Thanks again, my friend. Peace. When you make decisions for your company, you look for the no-brainers. And if you have a lot of mailing to do, Stamps.com is the ultimate no-brainer. It streamlines your processes to make your business more efficient, which makes you less busy. Mail checks, invoices, legal documents, and everything you need to keep your business running with Stamps.com. Seamlessly connect with every major marketplace and shopping cart. Schedule package pickups and see your cheapest and fastest shipping options from different carriers. With rates up to 89% off USPS and UPS rates. And with the Stamps.com mobile app. You can take care of mailing and shipping wherever you are. Make the same no-brainer decision as over 1 million other businesses with Stamps.com. Sign up with Code Program for a 4-week trial, plus free postage and a free digital scale. No long-term commitments or contracts. That's Stamps.com. Code Program.